of you had a Merry Christmas yesterday. And we've been going through this series of Advent, and usually Advent ends on Christmas Day with the Christ candle. But since this Sunday is just the day after Christmas, I decided that today we would talk about Christ and and what that word Christ means and the significance of it. Contrary to the belief of some, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is instead a title that is given to Jesus. And that title, the, the word itself, without getting you know too nerdy with all of this, that word Christ can be translated as the anointed person or the one who is set apart. And this is important because when somebody was anointed, they were anointed with oil, that was a sign, a, kind of a symbol that the Spirit of God was resting upon this person. So most often, the people who were anointed were prophets, people that were set up and appointed by God to be kind of his mouthpiece to the people of Israel, that these people, God would speak to them what to say, and then those people would uh, give those words of God that they received out to other people. And that was kind of a group of people that would be anointed to show that God's presence was on that person. And it wasn't only prophets who were anointed. Kings were anointed as well as a sign that this person is going to be leading God's people, and so God's Spirit is going to be upon them as they lead us into what God's will for us uh, is. So both prophets and kings were people who were anointed. They were essentially many Christs that were anointed people. And I want to talk a little bit today about how Jesus fulfills through his role and his ministry both of those things, a prophet and a king, as being the Christ, the one who is the anointed one. And so one of the ways that Jesus is anointed uh, and that the word the Christ is used is for referring to a prophet. And Jesus was very much a prophet. He was a mouthpiece of God. He spoke the truths of God to people. And he even refers to himself uh, as a prophet in Luke chapter 4. This is in verses 14 through 21. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, there is a particular importance to this passage of scripture that Jesus read in the synagogue that we'll get more into later. Um, But the things that are being mentioned here about 
this person having the anointing of God, them proclaiming the good news, the gospel message to all people, doing miracles, those were the, those were the actions and the role that a prophet would serve. And when we look at Jesus's ministry, he fulfilled all of these roles. He preached the word of God. He spoke in parables to teach people about the kingdom and principles of God and of heaven. And he went around healing people as well, miraculous healings. And so it's very easy to see the correlation between Jesus and the role of a prophet, especially in the way of speaking truth. Because there was a lot of misconceptions and and a lot of mistaken thought during Jesus' time that he spoke out against. Jesus spoke truth uh, against people that were in sin, and he also spoke it against man-made religion as well that had gotten so far removed from what God's plan was. Think about um, for sin, you know, Jesus speaking out against sin, there was the Samaritan woman that he met at the well who was living in a life of sin, And Jesus called her out of that life of sin into the life that God had for her. And that was something that she didn't even believe that she qualified for. She points out, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We're not even supposed to be talking to each other. How can I worship the Lord when Jews are saying that I have to go to this particular mountain in order to worship God? And Jesus says, that's that's wrong thinking. God doesn't just want worshipers who are worshiping in a certain place because he's calling people to worship in spirit and truth instead. And if you're willing to leave your life of sin that is leaving you in this place of unfulfillness and and sadness and worry and come into this plan that God has for you, not only is that available to you, but that's what God wants for you, to lead you from this path of sin and into a path of life instead. Jesus spoke same kinds of words against the Pharisees all throughout Scripture. And and the one that I often think of is when Jesus and his disciples were feeding themselves on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were really upset that here he was with his disciples technically doing work on the Sabbath, which he wasn't allowed to do, and, and really being nitpicky about the idea of honoring the Sabbath. And Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is allowed. This this isn't going against the purpose that the Sabbath is meant for. This is just us taking care of ourselves and feeding ourselves. It's not out doing hard work and and ignoring the time that we need of rest and and worshiping God. And so in that way, he was taking the Pharisees' kind of man-made religion and their ideas of what the Sabbath was supposed to look like and telling them that they had it all wrong. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, you see different examples of him doing both of these things, of speaking out against sin and speaking out against religion, not just to tear those things down, but to build the kingdom of God in their stead. He was a prophet of God, speaking words of truth and life to all who would listen. And we need to be one of those people who do listen to the teachings that Jesus has given, and not just listen to them and hear them, but accept them into our hearts as well, to really accept the teachings of Jesus. And of course, to be able to do that in order to accept the words of Jesus, you have to know what he talked about first. 
You have to know what it is that he taught. And you, of course, do that by reading the Bible, reading scripture, reading the life and ministry of Jesus to hear the words of, of truth that he would speak. And we need to be a people that then accept that as the words of an anointed prophet. That is who Jesus Christ was. But as I mentioned before, it's not only prophets who were anointed, kings were anointed as well. You can see that especially uh, with King David, that he was anointed by Samuel to be the next king. And even after that had happened, and David had a chance to really assassinate King Saul and take the throne, that David refers to King Saul as God's anointed one. And so he will not touch him. He will not lay a hand on Saul because he was God's appointed king. He was God's anointed. And so we see in those examples and other examples how kings were anointed with oil as well. They were essentially Christ's. Those that were anointed to be the king. And Jesus too was a king, a king of kings, because Jesus's kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. It is a heavenly kingdom. That's seen clearly in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. It says that power is the same as the mighty strength that he, talking about God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This passage talking about Jesus being, sit, being seated at the right hand in heaven. A king who rules a kingdom that is not an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. Jesus rules the kingdom of God. And what is that kingdom? What is that kingdom of God that Jesus rules? It's a kingdom of righteousness. And I've talked a little bit about righteousness recently. But righteousness is simply doing what God's will for your life is. And accepting what God's will for your life is. And I know for people who aren't believers, people who aren't Christians, that idea of accepting God's will for your life can be very off-putting when you first hear it. Because why would you want to put your life into the hands of anyone but yourself? But it's important for us to realize that God's will for us is not meant to just overwrite our will and take control of us. It's God wanting to lead us into what is best for us. So let's use this for an example, an illustration. Let's say that I realize that I don't have a lot of upper body strength. And so I decide that I want to build some muscle. I want, I want to you know, get some more strength in my upper body so I can lift things easier. Okay, and let's say I have a friend who is a personal trainer, like a professional personal trainer. And so this friend of mine decides that he's going to help me out. He's going to help give me a plan to follow 
So I will be able to build up that muscle that I so desire. The plan that he is going to give me is not going to be an easy, convenient plan. It's going to be a plan that requires me to make some changes to my daily routine. And it would not be helpful for him to say, oh, well, just keep doing what you're doing, because clearly that hasn't worked. So a change has to be made in order to help me grow to a place that is better than where I am now. But the only way that I'm going to get to that place is if I follow the advice that my friend is giving me. And if I don't follow that advice, then that change isn't going to take place, and I'm not going to get to that place of healthy strength. See, God wants to lead us to a place uh, of, of greater health in our spirit. A place of joy and peace and love and hope. All those things that we've been talking about. But the only way that God is going to be able to lead us into those things is if we accept his authority. Jesus wants to lead us into those paths of righteousness. And the thing that we have to do is submit ourselves to Jesus recognize and accept his authority as our king to lead us into paths of righteousness that will greatly improve our life from where we are now. So Jesus is not only a prophet who spoke truth, he is a king that rules us not by force, but by paving the way for us to have the greatest life possible. He is prophet and king. Now, up to this point, I've used the term Christ as just the generic title, someone who is anointed. And how that can refer to a prophet, it can refer to a king, any of these people who have been anointed with the Spirit of God and set apart in order to fulfill God's purposes. But Jesus is specifically named the Christ. Not just a Christ, but the Christ. And this is important because Christ can be just a generic term, but it can also be a very specific term that is used to refer to the prophesied Messiah who would come and overcome the curse of sin and death in this world. And that's why now the term Christ is used exclusively for Jesus because only he was the one that fulfilled that prophecy. He is not just a Christ. He's not just an anointed person. He is the Christ, the Messiah, who died for our sins. And we can see in Scripture where that is recognized. In Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? 
Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Peter recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, and Jesus himself confirmed that. And this is what makes it really impossible for Jesus to have been just a prophet and just a king of the kingdom of God. Because he claimed to be the Messiah, the son of the living God, the same essence as God. He declared himself to be God. And so it really is impossible for Jesus to have just been a prophet of God because he claimed to be God himself. So either he was God or he was not a good man. He was not a good prophet. He was not a mouthpiece of God because he would have been speaking heresy. Let's put it into modern day terms. Let's say that I was a Catholic follower of Catholicism and I went around claiming that I was the Pope. And I went around telling everybody that I'm the Pope and you need to listen to everything that I say because I am the highest authority of God here in this world. If that is the case, if that's what I'm doing, then only two things are possible. Either one, I am the Pope, or two, I am a heretical liar. But what is not possible is for me to be just a good Catholic, a good follower of Catholicism, a follower of the Pope. That's not possible because of the claim that I am making. That's exactly what Jesus was doing, was claiming to be God himself, God in human form, coming as the Messiah to fulfill a very particular purpose. And that purpose was to bring the gift of salvation for all people, so that all people could be saved from the curse of sin, and that curse leads to death. And Jesus instead paid the price of our sin with his own life so that we don't have to pay the price for our mistakes. That we don't have to fear an eternal death after this life, but instead we can have an eternal life with God together in heaven because that sin of price has been paid for. And so we then want to recognize Jesus as not just a Christ, right? Not just a prophet or a king, but Jesus as the Christ, the prophesied Messiah, and accept the sacrifice that he has made. And not just the sacrifice for us, but for all people. It's not an exclusive club. It is available to Everyone who recognizes the authority of God, the sacrifice that Jesus has made, and accepts it with their whole heart. And anyone who does that can receive forgiveness for all that they have done. You see, we celebrate Christmas not just because it was the birth of a good prophet, 
but because it was the birth of the Messiah. See, Jesus as the Christ is not only our prophet and king, although he is those as well, but he is also the Messiah. He is both our Lord and Savior, the one that we should submit to so he can guide us into paths of righteousness, and the one who paid the ultimate price in order to pay our greatest debt. And my prayer is genuinely that this Christmas season, that it's not just about the trees and the presents and the lights, but that it's about celebrating the birth of Jesus as the Christ who came for us to die for our sins. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And when we accept that, when we receive the gift that he has given to us, it is the greatest thing that can ever happen in your life. And my hope and prayer is that all people in all the world will be able to receive that. And it is certainly something worth celebrating at Christmas time. The power of the Christ. So this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to share this with other people so that they too can join in the celebration of Christ. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for listening. Thank you.